You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast Series with Executive Women's Forum. Hello, and welcome to Episode 4, Season 3 of the Next Exec Podcast. In this episode, Katie sits down and has a candid conversation with Aparna Kadari, the Information Security Director at Fannie Mae. From their conversation, we learn about Aparna's aspiration of being a journalist, her career in pharmacy, and the events leading up to her career change to information security. She discusses her culturally diverse background and how that has helped to shape who she is today as a mentor, friend, and a leader to the teams she currently supports. Please enjoy. My name is Aparna Kadari. I manage the information security endpoint engineering, and I also have an operations team which is 24-7. I recently acquired a cloud security team as well. Awesome. So how did you get into this role? Where did you kind of start? Can you give me some of your like background on life and what kind of got you here? Sure. It's been an interesting journey. And I think along the way, I never realized that information security was a field that I would finally find my calling But I think I am here and I would probably retire here too. I am a pharmacist by profession and by education, but my heart never was in pharmacy. I shared many times before I wanted to become a journalist, an investigative journalist, to be precise. And being an only child, my mother was super paranoid that I would be at a war front and I would lose my life. So she didn't want to lose her only child. And she put her foot down and said, nope, you will not do journalism. Then I got a little creative and the next best thing I wanted to do is become a lawyer. And she hated the fact that lawyers wear black coat because she was so fascinated by white coats. And I come from a family full of doctors. So it was a lot of pressure on me because all my cousins are extremely successful doctors. And she thought I would be or become like them. And I did not because I had different plans. So I arrived at a place where where she's happy and I'm happy. And, and I ended up doing a pharmacy and then came here to the United States to do my master's in business administration. After doing my MBA, it opened up a lot of avenues on what else I can do besides pharmacy. So I ventured into technology, got into financials, and eventually arrived at InfoSec. And also there was a crisis with 9-11, where the H-1Bs were not sponsored at that time. And I desperately had to switch from my student visa to H-1. So I found a consultancy that could sponsor my H-1 and that started the journey. Wow, that is incredible. So how did you go from this path of being a pharmacist is incredibly different than being in information security. And Not only that, but information security has such a big range of possibilities when it really comes to jobs. So what took you from point A to point B and what fascinated you about the field of information security that kind of made you want to switch over? I want to share a story on why I left pharmacy to begin with. The -the behind-the-counter job is not as risk-free as people perceive it to be. So there were several instances where I was trying to get my hours to finally qualify to be a pharmacist, where there would be dangerous situations where people would come and threaten, probably walk in with a gun. 
And it was becoming increasingly difficult to be in the frame of mind to show up at work. So that was the turning point where I did make a decision not to pursue pharmacy, at least the behind the counter job and the 9-11 presenting opportunities in many ways that I could never imagine. It is very sad, but most of the H-1Bs were stopped in the pharmaceutical industry at that time. At least I didn't get the exposure to where they were sponsoring. So when I took refuge in this consultancy that did H-1B, they placed me in technology and I had no experience, but they kind of said, let's have you learn on the job and we will take it from there. So I took a leap of faith and thanks to many others who knew I didn't have any background in technology that also took the leap of faith with me and coached me and mentored me on the job. I got my first job in data analysis. And after that, I came to this area from New Jersey to join another company, a mortgage company, and did Lean Six Sigma or process improvements for them before I joined Fannie Mae, my current company. And here I was exposed to so many different areas. I started off in police management. Then I did a bit of production support. Then someone thought I would be an amazing project manager. So I ended up doing project management, program management, managing huge budgets. And at the end of the day, my heart still belonged to operations and being in that production support environment where it's 24-7. I have that gratification at the end of the day where I'm problem solving and I'm able to take care of issues. And my job is very metrics driven. So I was looking at at that time, this position opened up and my boss then was looking for someone who could take on an operations role. Now, remember that operations is not something that people would like to do. It's because it's 24-7, a lot of issues on call. And he opened up this manager role and I ended up applying for it without having any information security background. I interviewed, I did an information session, and I was picked. So three and a half, like four years ago, I stepped into that operations role and started learning along the way the information security technology. I'm not an expert even today, but I do my best to continuously keep learning so that I can be dangerous enough to do my job as an information security director. Wow, that is incredible. That is so many transitions and Definitely. I mean, it kept you on your toes for sure. What are some ways that you learn about information security day to day? And is there any recommendations that you have for different things that you've done that helped you prepare for your current role or some things that you're doing now to improve and and learn and keep learning? My goal to learn technologies within information security is not to become a subject matter expert. My goal is to understand the technology enough to help the team solve problems. I'm subscribed to a lot of information security news. Twitter is the best that I go and look and what's out there, especially any threats, any attacks. And then I have an amazing team that is technically so much more savvy than I am that they end up teaching me every day about the technologies themselves and how I can help them solve problems. So if someone wants to learn information security technology and they are in an individual contributor role, they are not in a managerial role, then the best way to do is through the certifications. And that is what some of the engineers and the advisors on my team do. 
which is to get certificates because they already have so much going on in the job. If you want to be in a managerial role and a leadership role, the best way to do is to learn about those technologies from a problem-solved perspective and grow on the job as well, because going through the motion of solving problems and issues kind of teaches you and makes you so much more aware of how you can go through the motion of those that root cause analysis. The differences in being a pharmacist and then taking on this more managerial role in business, I can imagine that you've had to figure out you know, how to manage people under you. And I think it would be good for our listeners to get your take or your advice on how you're managing your team and you know what makes a good team successful and how you're handling that. Coming from a pharmaceutical or a pharmacy background where in the beginning I was told, I was directed how to do versus now where I'm able to manage teams successfully, there are a lot of things that happen in between. I had a lot of managers, a lot of directors, a lot of VPs that I reported to, most of them amazing in how they nurtured and cared for their teams, especially my growth. One thing I learned is they may not be a great way to be a successful manager, but there are so many things that you can do not to be a bad one. I don't think I have figured out how to be an amazing manager yet, but I have figured out that there are so many things that I don't have to do in order to be a bad one. Sometimes I recollect some of the times when I didn't like how I was treated and how I felt, and I try not to do the same for them. The best way to also manage teams is Ask the teams on how they would like to be managed because everybody's style is different. Everybody's personality is different. And I think we manage personalities, uh, not persons. So it is always a good idea to ask them how they want to be managed. Yeah, that's great advice. I think there's so many up and coming leaders, especially women in this field that are figuring out you know, how to navigate that path of management and being a good manager, what does it mean? And I think that you really hit the nail on the head. It's kind of managing personalities and figuring that out. And everything comes with experience and time and lessons learned. But that's really great advice. Thank you, Katie. So getting it back to cybersecurity, information technology, more your day-to-day role, what would you say is a new trend in your role? Or where do you think that you know information security will be in the next five years? I really think that, especially I've only been in the field for a very short amount of time, maybe around five years, and I've already seen fast changes in information security. And just kind of from your perspective, where do you think in the next five years that what will be a new trend or where do you think the field is going? My day-to-day involves operations, which is 24-7. Like I said, sometimes I get called on as in the form of an escalation because I'm not involved in the actual working or problem solving when an issue were to arise. The team is so robust and self-sufficient that they usually tend to manage 99% of the issues themselves. But when there is an escalation, they ask their manager if the manager is unable to help or buffer the situation, then they call me. And usually I don't help them solve the technical issue, but I am managing the situation, helping them 
let's say stakeholders are really angry at uh, some issue happening and they absolutely think it's caused by my technology, then I'm in that situation trying to calm them down, make sure they understand the ops risk and the security risk and how to make a sensible decision at the end of the day before we can do any damage to the security controls. That is how my day-to-day goes with the operations team. I also have another team, which is engineering focused, which is more or less like build, deploy, innovation, and taking care of that future progressive stuff. So that team is more stable in terms of issue management, unless we are pulled in from an engineering perspective. But regardless, both teams are mine. So I get pulled in if there were a need. There is also another team that I said I recently got, and I'm still learning about that. So I do not know what it translates to in terms of work just yet, but it has been amazing uh, having them or being part of their team because they have an amazing manager who actually had been a mentor when I first started. The future of technology, there are so many ways that we are progressing. And I think in my own way, the way I see technologies is automation. And I've said this before too, there's a lot of redundant and manual work that we do in order to safeguard and reduce our attack surface. I think with some sensible automation, having security controls in place that come as part of, let's say, the image for the laptops or provisioning when the servers are stood up, that security is not an afterthought. It is part of that build so that Nobody forgets that there is a security component that has to go each and every time they stand up a server or each and every time they provision a laptop. And the only way to do it is to think about creative ways on how to eliminate waste, how to eliminate redundancy, how to proactively solve for issues if they were to happen, because we have enough data reactively on what could happen if we miss a step or if we forget to do something. So in my mind, that automation component which is necessarily not clicking off a button, but to ensure that everything that we do comes as a second nature, keeping in mind security aspects is where I see myself going into in the nearest future. Yep, I agree with you. I actually am working on a security controls framework team right now. And I would say, yeah, you know, it's really important that we're thinking about security first instead of it being an afterthought. And I think that's really interesting because in our current roles and in our organizations, which are different, I think that that is really a recipe for how we can stay secure time after time and really just incorporate security from the beginning rather than taking a back step and and kind of trying to incorporate it after the fact. Yeah, that that's really interesting. Okay. So on a different note, and we touched on this a little bit, but I do think you're so fascinating and I really admire your path to getting where you are right now. And I hope one day that I can hopefully hold a director position or a leadership position as well. And I guess from your perspective, what is the best advice you would give someone that's just starting out or is aspiring to be where you are in the next five years? What makes me who I am today is not just the information security work that I do. It is also what I do to give back to the community paying it forward and kind of supporting women who are in similar situations. 
Now, coming from India, I was raised in a completely different environment than I am today, at least for the last 21 years. There's a lot of baggage that comes with people like me. For example, I, I was raised in a middle class family. And, you know, I was very protected, even though my parents were super liberal. The environment I was in wasn't as liberal and as forward thinking as my parents were. So there was a lot of mismatch in the environment that I grew up with. Also, I went to a Catholic school, even though I was born Hindu and then we were living in a Muslim community. So that's a lot of diversity to take in without knowing that you are an amalgamation of so many different cultures. I think that was so easy for me when I came to the United States to blend in and kind of learn more to be able to survive in this environment. There were little things that I had to teach myself. I don't think I changed my accent any much, but the words that we use. So that was progress. So for people who want to be successful in their technology role or information security, I think it is not just the way they... Uh, approach their job and how successful they are, whether they are crushing at their performance results and things like that. It is also what they do outside for building that wholesome personality. For anybody that wants to be successful, I think it is also becoming well-versed in how they tackle their job, but also how they are giving back to the community and doing what's needed for that diaspora. For example, I'm involved in EWF. I am registered to be mentored and to mentor. That way, especially, I can receive the coaching so that I can build my skill set to be able to better help other women who might be looking to become or go into leadership roles like I have taken the path. So I know it's a long answer, but what I'm saying is if you were to be successful, and have that titles and roles that you dream of today. It is not just the job and technically apprising yourself of what's the latest and greatest around you, but also be invested in taking care of the community and the women who perhaps want to be future InfoSec leaders. Yeah, that is great advice. And wow, every time that I ask you a question, I just find more, I find out more information about you. That's so interesting. And it really shows that you have all this diversity in your background. And I think that you've channeled that really well into your leadership and your position at your company right now. And I can only imagine that your team just really respects you and and loves you as a leader. Uh, They do. Thank God. Uh, There haven't been a day when they wanted, they didn't want to talk to me. So I'm very blessed. (laughs) What was something that you've done that you've learned from and you've made a choice to learn from that mistake? I don't even know if I want to call it a mistake. Maybe a different thing that's happened that led you forward in your new role. I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, So many mistakes. I was before this podcast recording, I was thinking about, I was smiling to myself, the mistakes I made, but the ability to have recovered from them with the help of my support system, with the help of my parents, coaches that I'm really grateful for. So what led me to learn from my mistakes and be successful where I am today, whether it's professionally or personally, I would like to share one experience 
So I went through this arranged marriage process again, not because I didn't have a choice, but my parents did let me date and make my own choices, but I did so bad in picking potential husbands. So finally, there was a time after like four or five years where uh, it wasn't going anywhere. And I was kind of nearing that age where I should be married, where my parents and I decided that we should actually look through this arranged marriage process to find someone. While going through that process, there were so many gentlemen that were kind of weird in the sense as in infosec weird. Like, for example, this guy pretended to be a potential groom and kind of do that speed dating before we decide if we want to take it further. He befriended me just for the sake of getting my address in New Jersey so that they can apply for their siblings green card. Oh, my goodness. And there were other people who would, on the pretext of being in love, and uh, they would say, oh, one guy would say, you are exactly who I wanted in my life. It is so beautiful how we are evolving. And it would be cool to exchange passports. Now, at that time, I had no clue about information security. I was so dumb. So there was this one time where I thought it was a symbol of love and affection that people exchange passwords. And I entrusted that person with the password. At that time, I had a Yahoo account and uh, never again. But I did entrust with a password. So they went in and mucked around and did really bad things like sending out notes to random people and very explicit cussing and so many bad things. So hindsight, I made a lot of mistakes. And today where I stand, thanks to all the technology and the framework that we have within information security, I say this, trust, but verify. But to begin with, zero trust. I don't trust anybody. I don't even uh, give out my passwords to my husband. I don't give out even my cell phone to my husband to have him check something if I'm busy. I don't do that anymore. That is the biggest lesson or lessons. Those are the biggest lessons I learned. Wow, that is so interesting. I mean, again, you just keep surprising me. You have so much that you've been through and and so much experience and It's really inspiring, especially someone like me who's like newer in the role, newer to all this stuff. And I'm not looking for a husband just yet, but that's definitely great advice. And I think that the listeners of this podcast will definitely, that'll resonate with them for sure. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Katie. It was a pleasure being on this podcast and thank you for the chance. This was amazing and amazing questions too. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I think that this was really fun and I'm hoping that, you know, the listeners can relate to your story and thank you. Thank you so much. 